Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season two. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Uh, my turn? I don't remember, but you can go. Okay. <laughs> Season 2, episode 15. Phases. I needed this episode. I think we all needed this episode. This episode, it's just, it's got a lighter mood to it than the last one that we just watched, which tore my heart out. (laughs) I see where you're coming from because Surprise and Innocence were definitely heavier episodes for sure. So yes, Phases is lighter in comparison, but it's not like bad eggs light, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not like a laugh riot. <laughs> There's some heavy stuff in here with like Willow and Oz and just the relationships in general. I think what jumped out to me about this show is, yes, you've got Vampire Angelus as kind of an antagonist, mm-hmm. but he's not really a huge part of the episode. Yes, you've got a werewolf. Yes, you've got a sexist werewolf hunter because everybody needs one of those. But like none of those are really like the bad guy like the bad guy in this episode is everybody's feelings and the way that everybody's feelings uh can complicate how you behave around people oh i like that what jumped out to me about this episode is how it's just a lot of things all at once and i remember this episode very well it was one of my favorites growing up because i stan willow and oz Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just it's trying to do a lot of things at once. And I think it's successful in a lot of them. And the main one is that it's a callback to season one. I think because, you know, the the magical werewolf monster of the week, that's a big one. Or as Giles even says, that's a classic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I definitely picked up on that vibe, too, especially yeah. in the first scene, which we'll talk about in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with you where you say it's all over the place. I was perhaps a little more critical of that fact. I see this episode as being somewhat messy Mm. and maybe it's messy by design maybe it has to be this way yeah because honestly i'm not sure i have notes in terms of how it could have been written or edited differently but i didn't enjoy this episode perhaps as much as you did in terms of the experience of watching it just because it would it just kept switching (laughs) I just kept switching gears. Yes. I never felt like we spent long enough on any particular subplot or scene or moment for me to really like sink into it, right? So the the frenetic pacing of the episode, and, and I want to talk about that uh, a little bit later on with some like continuity issues. Um, the frenetic pacing was a challenge for me okay. to watch it. Interesting. But I definitely, I did enjoy the episode. I think it's a good episode. Yeah. I think it's just it's like a definition of uh, a tough act to follow right because we're following innocence and surprise which were such amazing episodes this one was like okay we need a lighter Mm -hmm. mood so it's a lot of things (sighs) let's get into it people are like yeah we know get into it like (laughs) recap ladies okay 
We start off in Sunnydale High Hallway, and Oz is staring at Catherine the Great's cheerleading trophy, which we have not seen since episode three. And he's looking at it and, like, moving his head around, and Willow approaches him and says, like, what you doing? And he says that uh, the eyes in the cheerleader statue follow him, and he he likes it. And this is what I mean. Like, there's a lot of these kind of references to different episodes in season one that maybe we all forgot about because season one is such an up-and-down mm-hmm. season. But uh, it also made me realize, I'm like, we haven't seen Amy in a really long time. Amy, whose mother was the witch. And I wonder why they're bringing, you know, the trophy and and the witch up right now, you know, to anyone who's watched season one. It's very interesting. Well, I think part of it, too, is this reminder of Oz's attitude towards the strange and supernatural. That's going to be a big part of this episode. Mm -hmm. So the episode opens. The first thing we see is Oz which is an indication to us that Oz is going to be a big part of the episode. Mm -hmm. And him looking at this enchanted trophy, which I believe, I think Catherine's like soul is trapped inside. It's inside, Like she's in there. She's watching him. (laughs) From which. And so like she's watching him. He's watching her. He knows this. He doesn't know the story behind it, but he knows there's something weird happening here. You know, he recently found out about vampires and the Slayer and he's integrating himself into the Scoobies, kind of like Cordelia did earlier in the season. And so this is the show kind of showing us how Oz is reacting to his newfound awareness that the supernatural is all around them, especially at Sunnydale High. Yeah, that's actually I really like that take because it's not like Willow, Buffy or Xander have noticed this trophy and that she's inside it. No one knows it, but Oz is picking up on that very observant yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so willow is asking him uh if you liked the movie last night clearly they went on a little movie date the night before and you'd think they'd ask each other then if they like the movie or not but regardless it's really cute clearly they went on a date and willow said that she had fun with him and he agrees and they get really awkward (laughs) and i'm not actually sure why it got very awkward here it's i can guess and maybe i'll i'll tell you what that guess is in a little bit but she like willow especially gets really awkward and she sees buffy and she's like there i have my friend so i will go to her (laughs) i would like to point out yeah when willow asks oz if he liked the movie oz says he doesn't know and i really like that because in our society uh, boys and men are typically socialized to always have an answer. It may not be the right answer, but they're told, you know, if somebody asks you a question, what do you want for dinner? Or, you know, what's your opinion on this? It's better to give a quick answer than the right answer. You need to be certain. Mm-hmm. So Oz saying, I don't know, uh, is, is another example of how he's not your typical toxically masculine teenage boy who's just going to give an opinion about the movie and maybe mansplain it to willow like he's willing to be vulnerable and and admit like i don't really have an opinion yet yet. i'm still thinking about it and i liked that yeah and it's a nice carryover from surprise when uh he asked willow out and he was like i'm nervous about this so he is very (laughs) upfront and honest with what he's feeling and what what he does and doesn't know (laughs) so Oz is watching Willow walk away, and as they walk by, Larry the bully. Remember Larry from Halloween, the pirate, <laughs> the rapey pirate? Mm-hmm. Him and his crew, his posse, his his boys, <laughs> they all uh, go up to Oz, and he starts sexually harassing 
women in front of Oz. Yay. He's like, first, I would love to get me some of that Buffy and Willow action, if you know what I mean. And Oz is like, you've really mastered the single entendre. And of course, Larry does not get it, but that's such a good line. And Larry, <laughs> fucking Larry, knocks over this girl's books. This, this girl has books in front of him. He knocks them over. And as she bends to get them, he checks out her ass, right? So sexual harassment in the hallways of Sunnydale High. We're used to this, of course, but so blatantly and in front of sweet, vulnerable Oz. Yeah. <laughs> it's so disgusting. And Larry asks Oz what's up with dating a junior, because let's not forget that Oz is in a senior and the girls are in their junior year. And Oz is being really sarcastic in his responses back to him and he basically Larry is like, well, what's going on with them? What's the point of dating a junior unless she's putting out? Like, how far have you gone? And he's asking him all these questions. And Oz just kind of stares at him in disbelief. But my question is, is Larry bullying Oz? Or are they kind of like friends? Like, I don't understand the dynamic between these boys because I'm pretty sure Larry is in grade 11 too. So I, it's just hard for me to figure out if Larry and Oz are like buds or at least acquaintances that can have conversations or if Larry is bullying Oz. Oz is a cool guy, but we don't know if he's cool in school. You know what I mean? He actually kind of looks like a burnout, <laughs> if anything. He does, but remember, he's in a band. <laughs> oh, he's in a band. He's got a van. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't think this is bullying. This is bro talk, you know? Um, or at least Larry's trying to initiate bro talk. There, when you are going through high school, presenting as a teenage boy, even if you do not typically engage in that kind of conversation, other teenage boys will try to make that kind of kind of conversation with you, and it feels very awkward if you're not into that. And um, that's what's happening in this scene. So Larry, this is how he talks with all of his male friends. And he may not be good friends with Oz, but obviously, you know, they probably have like classes together and stuff. Then they run into each other and he just sees Oz talking with Willow and he's just like, what's the story, right? Like, give me the dirty gossip. It's it's the teenage boy equivalent of two girls gossiping. It's just much cruder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because like Larry says, how far have you gone to Oz? But Willow answers his question because Willow and Buffy are carrying on this conversation outside where Willow is mm -hmm. saying nothing is going on between her and Oz because Oz said that he'd wait until they're ready, but she's ready and she wants to be kissed. And Buffy says it's nice that he's not being an animal about it, but Willow wants smoochies, she says, and I hate the word smoochies. <laughs> so Willow says she's dropped a lot of hints and Buffy's like, well, he'll come around. What guy could resist your wily willow charms and willow's like last she checked all of them <laughs> and i was like that's so sad but like it's true like she willow so far has not had any m has not had much male attention and she wants it i mean she did attract moloch right like oh well, yeah praise moloch. praise moloch and that's the prize of all prizes but i mean <laughs> buffy had to go kill him or something <laughs> so Willow wants Oz to hurry up. She doesn't want to be the only girl in school without a real boyfriend. Ouch, Willow. Buffy looks really hurt by that because let's just a reminder to everybody. Buffy had sex with her boyfriend who lost his soul and is now evil and trying to kill her and all her friends. So <laughs> this is what I like about Willow, though. She asks Buffy after she apologizes if she wants her to go away. 
Because sometimes when people are upset or if they're like, oh, you hurt my feelings, they just, oh, do you want me to give you space then? And I'll come apologize to you again later. And I like that she asked, but Buffy's like, no, I wish you would stay, right? So we ask how Buffy's doing after this terrible situation from innocence last week and Buffy says that she's been thinking about Angel literally every minute but what she wants to do tonight is she wants Xander and her to have a sharing our misery thing tonight so like the three of them she just wants to chill out that's when Willow says oh okay I'll, I'll give Xander a call what's his number oh yeah 1-800 I'm dating a skanky hoe and how's like whoa Willow leave Cordelia alone <laughs> I didn't like this joke because Willow has expressed in the last episode what she thinks about Xander and Cordelia's relationship and she's not a fan. And hey, we understand where Willow's coming from in terms of her past experiences with Cordelia, in which case I'm sure Cordelia was a bully toward her. However, she's attacking Cordelia's sexuality here. And I was like, Willow, that's really rich because like the last two episodes, you were nothing but sex positive for Buffy. And here you are saying, I want Oz to kiss me. And you want to get a little physical too. So why does Cordelia not get that same attitude? Is it because she's already a little bit experienced? Or is it because she's with Xander? Either way, I didn't like the attitude behind that comment. And I think Willow needs to be very careful because that's two or three episodes in a row now. And I don't want her to start becoming the worst. Because she very well could be. Yeah, I'm completely with you here. I mean... I think what's going on here is two things. She is slut-shaming Cordelia, for sure, Mm -hmm. because that's Cordelia's reputation. Also, she is projecting, because like you said, she is frustrated about nothing happening with Oz. So if she looks and sees Cordelia and Xander and stuff's going on there, and considering her latent feelings for Xander, I think it makes a lot of sense that she doesn't feel favorably towards Cordelia. So that's an explanation, but it's not an excuse. And and I completely agree with your reading and critique of Willow's (laughs) (laughs) expressions here. I just, I've never picked up on this side of Willow ever before. So like, obviously in my experience in rewatching this, Willow is going to be painted differently. Up until now, she's been nothing but the best. But now she's starting Mm. to show her worst side and I don't like it as much. And this is new for me. So I'm going to lean into it because this is just what I'm picking up on. Right. So Buffy gives Willow a meow and Willow's happy about that because she's never gotten a meow before. And she does say like, oh, Xander and Cordelia, what does he see in her anyway? And that's when we cut to Cordelia's car. It's nighttime. They're out at some lookout in the forest and Xander and Cordelia are making out. And Cordelia says they're doing things for father can never know about because he still thinks that she's a good girl and a couple of notes here so the equivalent of where they're at in the forest on this lookout spot is called the bluffs in thunder bay (laughs) i was not aware of this thanks for letting me know well i highly recommend you drive up there tonight and take a look and hunt for werewolves because that's where all the high school kids go to do it is that where you went steph Uh, No comment. (laughs) But the point is, it's called the bluffs and these two are making out in the front seat. I was like, guys, this is how I know you're not having sex yet. Like, get to the back seat. You know what I mean? And then we're also having to assume that because Willow had just said, what does he see in her anyway? And we cut to them making out at the I'm going to call it the bluffs because that's where kids go to have sex. It's like, are they is the show insinuating that Xander, what he sees in Cordelia 
is sex, right? Is that the only thing that oh yes, this is about? absolutely. Which is so like, oh, like Cordelia deserves so much better than this treatment. Mind you, I mean, to be fair, Cordelia might also be using Xander for the same reason. So I'll just throw that in there. But I'm just saying that cut obviously meant something. So Xander keeps interrupting their makeout sesh to talk about Willow and Oz because he doesn't trust Oz. He's a senior. He's attractive. Not to me because, you know, I'm not gay. No homo. But he's in a band. And <sighs> Xander... Here, we're going to get a lot of this in this episode, but Xander could give a shit about Willow until she's no longer interested in Xander. This episode is the first time in a very long time that we've seen Xander express any sort of jealousy about Willow's attention wandering away from precious Xander. And the other time would be in the Moloch episode, Praise Moloch, because he did express that Willow is distracted by this guy she made on the internet. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So, ugh. He's the worst. <laughs> so Cordelia calls him out because Cordelia is my my bitch. And she says, when you're not babbling about poor defenseless Willow, you're raving about the all-powerful Buffy. Look around. They're in her daddy's car. Just the two of us. It's the full moon. It doesn't get more romantic than this. So shut up. <laughs> and they start making out again. But of course, because it's a Sunnydale, there's a creature watching them from the bushes dun, dun, dun. and as they make out more xander hears a little scratch and that's never a good sign at the bluffs if you hear a scratch drive the fuck away xander pretends he didn't hear anything so they keep making out but then he hears another noise cordelia gets really angry but that's when a clawed furry arm rips through the top of the car the roof <laughs> and tries to grab them cordelia screams and they they drive away The next morning at school, the Scoobies are investigating the car and they deduce that it's a werewolf. Xander is explaining what he saw and Cordelia says it was so awful. And then she goes to like get comforted by Xander. And then she's like, daddy just had this car detailed. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think that they're actually a couple now? Because she when she leans on Xander's shoulder like that, it's very public. It's out in the middle of the parking lot where mm-hmm. any of the, anyone in school can see. Cordelia has not been hanging out with Harmy or any of her other popular friends for a while. So do you think that this is like a thing now? That's a great question. And yeah. those are great observations. Yes and no. I think it is de facto a thing. I don't think Cordelia and Xander have really admitted it yet. You know, I think it's one of those unofficial official things. And yeah, like we haven't seen Cordelia hanging out with the popular crew in a long time. So I guess we'll have to find out what that means for her. We need a Cordelia episode soon, right? Like, Ugh, like we're starving. Yeah, like out of sight, out of mind. Like we, we need another episode that digs into how is Cordelia experiencing this change in her social status? But for now, I think we can... All, all we can do is really speculate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think they are in a relationship. I think everybody else knows they're in a relationship, as we've heard Buffy and Willow discussing. But the two of them, if you asked them, probably would still deny it at this point. Interesting. Yeah, I just thought that was a very public display of affection for the two of them. So. Mm-hmm. Giles has been reading the newspaper and he says there was a number of other attacks by a wild dog around town. Several animal carcasses were found mutilated, but no people were injured. And Giles says that he guesses the werewolf will be back at the next full moon. But Willow points out that tonight is the full moon. The night before was the night before the full moon. (laughs) 
And um, Giles says that that means the the accepted legend that werewolves only prowl during the full moon is erroneous. And Giles gets really excited. It's super cute. He's like, oh, my God, he's got a lot of research ahead of him. Werewolves, one of the classics. Ooh, and he like hurries off. And Buffy's just like, we need to get him a pet. <laughs> So we're in gym class or self-defense class, it would appear. I love this. I was like, yes, Sunnydale High. Yes, every student here should take mandatory self-defense class, obviously. And the whole gang is in the class. The instructor is giving a lecture and Oz is sitting behind Willow and Buffy as they talk. And he tucks her tag in into her shirt and it's really cute but xander sees us who's sitting with cordelia again they're sitting together like a little bit apart from their friends so xander sees us and he gets jealous and he's like hey buddy this is a public forum over here i'm like oh i don't like this expression of jealousy that he does the students all pair off and larry the bully is in this class and xander notices that his arm is wrapped up and he asks him what happened and larry says last week a dog bit him and he had to get 39 stitches and oz is there and he says oh his cousin jordy got his grown-up teeth and he doesn't like to be tickled and he shows his finger which obviously got bitten by this kid and larry goes over to this girl whose name is teresa and he sexually harasses her and he says, be still my shorts. I may have to attack oh. you. Oh, it's such a bad lie. I know. It's so stupid. And Teresa gives off the same energy as Amy from the witch episode, like very like sweet and timid and awkward and unsure. And I'll also add that this girl is Mary Beth from season one, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> but she's saved by Buffy, who sees her getting sexually harassed and, like, comes over, says that I'm in your group, too. And Buffy's already proven that she can beat the shit out of Larry. So Larry's like, oh, God. But Willow pulls Buffy aside and says, don't forget you're supposed to be a meek little girly girl like the rest of us. And Buffy's like, oh, fuck, like, the ruin my fun because Buffy needs to take out her heartbreak and aggression on somebody. So speaking of season one callbacks, right, this is a callback to the cheerleader tryouts in witch in season one and how that was another example of where Buffy kind of had to nerf her abilities and pretend to be a normal teenage girl and I really liked that Willow kind of steps in and is like no no you gotta pretend because it, it's it's neat it's neat that Buffy has this power but she she should she should conceal it she's not super successful <laughs> she should conceal it and teenage girls or women of any age who are watching this show and who want to feel empowered right it's like you know that's a that's a belief that you could have right is i am more than just a, an, a meek little girly girl even if sometimes that's the role i have to play in our society that's not who i actually am yeah and it, it is interesting how buffy who is a stronger female came to the defense of somebody who's a little bit weaker but it's, it's also sad that, like, you have to do that at all, that women have to look out for each other in this way, right? Yeah. Larry, lucky him, is holding Buffy from behind, and she's pretending to struggle, like you're saying. She's pretending to, to be weaker. Uh, and then he takes this opportunity to grab her ass, in which case Buffy <sighs> easily flips him over onto his ass, and good for her. We're all happy to see it. So that's a callback to the movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is just a... 
This is a callback episode, you guys. <laughs> I don't know if that's a deliberate callback, right? Right? Like, I have no idea, but that was a significant scene in the movie where literally the same thing happens. They're not in the self defense class; they're in a hallway. But yeah, you know, Buffy's pretending to be normal <laughs> until somebody gropes her ass, yeah. and then she goes all Buffy on them, and it's great. Still got it. <laughs> <laughs> So they go to the library. Giles is explaining what he learned about werewolves all afternoon. He says the phases of the moon do have a great deal of psychological influence and the full moon seems to bring out the darkest qualities in people. And that's when Xander says it also ironically led to the invention of the moon pie. And Giles laughs so much at this joke <laughs> a moon pie joke of all jokes and it's so weird but it's also really funny but remember you and i said that giles might also always be running off to get high <laughs> on his own or he has like acid flashbacks yeah now and then. <laughs> i don't know if it's high on weed but yeah um <laughs> i've never had a moon pie are they in canada what's a moon pie is it a chinese thing <laughs> Why are you asking me? <laughs> I was like, maybe there's an American moon pie that I'm not aware of, you know? Oh, there is. <laughs> well, there you go. So what is it? <laughs> so it's a, like a cookie sandwich where you have like graham cracker cookies yeah. with marshmallow stuffed in between. Okay. And then the whole thing's coated in chocolate. So it's kind of like a wagon wheel. Yeah, I was going to say wagon wheel. But like more of like a crunch to it. I, I don't think I've ever had them. I don't know if they're in canada but i do know moon pie's twitter account is hilarious <laughs> okay that's a good tip and i do know that we don't call them moon pies we call them moon cakes and that's where i was getting confused <laughs> okay i'm just like of the two of us Steph, i feel like you're the one who should know more about this than me <laughs> Anyway, I do I do think it's funny that, that Giles laughs so hard at this joke and like Buffy and Will look, like, look at each other like, what the fuck? But I also think that it's kind of nice to see Giles laugh at Xander's jokes because mostly this season he's been annoyed with them and he even snapped really yeah. hard at him in What's My Line. So it's kind of nice to see him finally like lean into one of Xander's jokes. I don't know. <laughs> well, like you said, he's high. <laughs> he's high on his books. Yes. He's high on learning. This This is what happens, kids. If you study and you stay away from the drugs, you will get high on learning and you will laugh at everybody's jokes. And if you snort some powder before you research, you'll research really quickly. <laughs> no, Stephanie, no, back. <laughs> so Willow and Buffy are not huh. amused. Giles continues and says that werewolf is such a potent extreme representation of our inborn animalistic traits that it emerges for three full consecutive nights. And it werewolves act on pure instinct, no conscious, predatory, and aggressive. And Buffy says, in, in other words, you're typical male. And Xander says, on behalf of my gender, hey. And Giles also says, don't jump to conclusions, not all men, nah, you know. And Buffy says, I didn't jump, I took a tiny step, and their conclusions were. And I just... I just really like that little quote that she gave. Buffy is very anti-men at this point. I don't blame her, but like obviously she's hurting from her her horrible situation with her ex-boyfriend. I mean, yeah, like it's funny. And like you said, it's understandable where Buffy's coming from. I think she really needs to like eat a, a tub of ice cream and listen to some Joni Mitchell albums. Mm. But um, this particular scene doesn't bother me. I do find the way that they're leaning into the werewolf animalistic side of our nature like sex stuff like the sexual like 
urges and things that we continue to talk about later on in the episode. I do find that a little bit unsettling. Mm. I've got some issues with that, which we can unpack a bit later. So this is a fun little exchange, I think. Yeah. It's a fun exchange for exactly the reasons you highlighted. I think if we try to unpack it too much further, we're just going to get pedantic and nitpicky here. Yeah, I agree. I I liked it is what I'm saying. It made me laugh. So a werewolf can be man or woman, basically. Silver bullets are are no good in this case because werewolves are still human. Therefore, they're not going to kill this person. They could be unaware of their condition. So Buffy says tonight, we'll bring them back alive. We go back out to the bluffs where all these teens are making out and Giles is creeping around. And can you believe it? Can you imagine if you're in high school, you go up to the bluffs to make out in the car and your school librarian is just like with a flashlight walking around the cars? Like <laughs> how inappropriate. I mean, why creepy. doesn't Sunnydale High do this? <laughs> they should just hire people to go to the bluffs, right? Well, no, I guess then you don't know where your teenagers are making out anymore. So Exactly. Better that you know. But, I mean, he he wants to go up and knock on windows. <laughs> I loved that part. So Buffy Buffy comes up and she's like, I didn't see anything. But she did see her like two classmates making out and it was a big deal to her. But basically, Giles, yeah, he says, let's go knock on windows. And Buffy says, Giles, no one's seeing anything. <laughs> And the penny drops, right? Because that's a double entendre. And Giles is like, oh, yeah, right? And his cluelessness, but it's also like, Giles, don't be a creep. Come on, Giles. This is a little concept. Remember that you're a librarian, all right? Remember that during the day, these people think you're a librarian. So as Buffy is skulking around the bushes, she gets caught in a tree net and hoisted up. She calls out for Giles as a man with a gun says, gotcha. This man calls himself Kane. Um, as he lets Buffy down, Giles is like checking on her, seeing if she's all right. And she's like, yeah, I am. And Kane gets really disgusting. And he says he's impressed. And it's good to get the fruit while it's fresh. And he's implying that Giles and Buffy are there to hook up at the bluffs. And ugh, it's so gross. And Giles gets pissed about this. Kane says, what a man and a girl do at lover's lane at night is no concern of mine. And Giles actually moves to like attack him and Buffy stops him and she says we're hunting werewolves. And Kane laughs at her and says, it's funny to think of you two catching one. He says, this guy's looking like he's auditioning to be a librarian and you're a girl. So Kane's sexist. (laughs) And it's like a particular type of infantilizing sexism, right? Because... He's really emphasizing how young she is. She's a girl. She's immature, right? Mm-hmm. She's not old enough to be making out with Giles. She's not old enough to be alone in the woods. She's not old enough or the right gender to be hunting a werewolf. So, and it's over the top. Yeah. Like, like, let's be real. Like, this guy, he might as well be twirling a mustache at this point. <laughs> like, he's just so incredibly sexist that it, it's funny. I don't know if it's funny in the way the writers intended it to be. Well, he ca- he calls her sweetheart and he says that he wears a necklace made out of all the teeth of the werewolves that he's killed in his time. And he wants to get one more so he can make it an even dozen. I call bullshit. He probably bought that necklace at like Dollarama. <laughs> yeah. Or he killed one werewolf and took all the teeth. <laughs> so basically what he's saying is that werewolves fetch a pretty penny in Sri Lanka. And 
it's hard to skin them when they're alive, basically. So that's why he kills them. So he's hunting them for money. He says he's on, he's on a tight schedule. He asks where the boys and girls go to be together around here. And he says that werewolves are suckers for sexual heat. That they can sense it a mile away. So if he's not here, he's somewhere else. So then he leaves and Buffy and Giles start to go away. And Buffy says she knows where to go. So this is when we cut to sweet Teresa from the self-defense course, who is walking the streets alone at night as women in Sunnydale are wont to do. And she hears a noise and could it be the werewolf? Like, who knows? So she starts to run away, but that's when she slams into Angelus, who is holding a daisy and looking like a psychopath (laughs) on the street. And she says she thought she heard something behind her and he pretends to like go look for her. And he's like, well, I don't see anything. Nothing's there. And, Angela says, don't I know you from somewhere? Don't you go to school with Buffy? And Teresa, who knows Buffy, is always like happy and trusting to meet somebody on the street who's like taking care of her and knows somebody she knows. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know Buffy. You know her, too? And he says, very well. Come on, I'll help you walk home. And you're like, no. no. <laughs> we know how this is going to end. Poor Teresa. <laughs> we didn't even know you that long. I know, but she seems so sweet. I liked her. <sighs> I know, to get sexually harassed by Larry and then picked up by Angelus the same day. Like, what a day. So at the bronze, people are canoodling and groping each other at the children's club. And Cordelia is whining about Xander's obsession with Willow and Buffy. And she's whining to Willow. <laughs> I know. Is it, so this funny. is hilarious. Like, this whole exchange <laughs> is so funny because of what Willow was like at the beginning of the episode, right? Like, she's slagging off Cordelia. Um, and so here they are together, venting to each other about the men in their lives. And it's just like, wow, like, I love this scene because they're so much friendlier to each other than we've seen them being. Uh, and it's it's a little bit hypocritical, but it's also like, okay, like maybe this is going to show you, Willow, that Cordelia isn't the bad guy here. I'm curious. Did they go to the bronze together? Did they both mm. go alone and just meet and just happen to be there <laughs> alone together? I'm confused why the two of them are here together, but like, I'm not saying I don't like it. Because like you said, Willow, maybe Cordelia is the friend that you've always needed. So so let's just like watch this play out. So Cordelia says that basically she feels like she doesn't exist to Xander. And Willow says she sometimes feels like that too. Cordelia says that uh, when she calls him out on this, he gets confused. Like she's the one with the problem. And that's called gaslighting Cordelia. And Willow says it's his do I smell something look. <laughs> and basically they talk about how guys play games. Willow says that Xander is so busy looking around at everything he doesn't have. He doesn't realize what he does have. Oh, that's it. That is the quote of the episode. Like earlier you were talking about like, why is, you know, why is Xander acting this way? And I think Willow is 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Xander is never happy with what he has. He's always looking at what he doesn't have. He didn't have Buffy, so he didn't look at Willow. And now he doesn't have Buffy or Willow, so he's not looking at Cordelia. His insecurities make it impossible for him to enjoy the things he's attained because he's worried that they're going to slip away at any moment. So to compensate for that, he instead spends his time obsessing over the things that he knows he can't have. Because if he can't have those things, he's never in danger of losing them. Yeah. And I do think, though, just in this conversation, that Willow is in danger of doing the same thing 
to Oz at the moment because she like earlier she wants Oz to kiss her she wants Oz to be her boyfriend she wants things to progress with Oz but here she is telling Cordelia that he's looking around at everything he doesn't have therefore he doesn't know what's right in front of him which is Willow so I'm also like Willow you're still kind of hung up on Xander Mm -hmm. and I thought that we were getting past that (laughs) but this conversation makes me feel like it's not it's not quite over yet And that's when Cordelia says, well, he should realize that you have Oz. And that's when Willow says, yeah, but we're in this holding pattern, but there's no holding or anything else. And Cordelia (laughs) is actually like so nice about it. She's like, well, what's he waiting for? What's his problem? Oh, wait, he's a guy. (laughs) We've come such a long way from Cordelia in the very first episode bullying willow at a drinking fountain yes and now here they are dishing to each other and cordelia cordelia is basically pumping willow up and being like what's he waiting for like you go get a girl and it's like what a change but the thing is it's not like willow and her anger toward cordelia i just don't think it's warranted this particular season like it would have been in season one because cordelia did straight up Mm -hmm. bully her in the in the pilot but remember at the in prophecy girl Willow helped Cordelia set up the stereo system for the dance. And then they had boy talk then too, right before they found Mitch and his friends and their bodies, right? So this Mm -hmm. uh, ability to understand each other through the way guys are and being like, men, why do we even need them, right? Like they've been having these conversations in the past. So it's nice to see them continue on and build on this friendship that I think could be really good for both of them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there is still that underlining dislike on willow's end for cordelia (laughs) that's when the werewolf jumps down onto the table in front of them and (laughs) just like poses there he doesn't do much he just lands and he just looks around he's like (laughs) he's like was that not impressive (laughs) can i just say can i just say how bad this costume is i don't don't know like it's not praying mantis bad it's not. It's not. But it's there. It's like it's like it's like down there. I just feel like this werewolf costume. I don't know what else they could have done, to be honest. Like, I don't know what else they could have done. It's the fur is very obviously fake, yes. right? Like, just it's a, it's obviously a costume. I think it's also it's the way the, the werewolf is standing, right? It's the body language. It's the position. You know, it's clearly just a stunt double. Who's been told to wear this uncomfortable costume for twelve hours? Like <laughs> he like hunches. He's got like his raptor arms. <laughs> I I was I was actually pretty impressed with the face. To be honest, I think the face is pretty good. All things considered. Yeah, so. I think you're right. It's like the physicality. It's the way it moves and like how when it landed in front of them, it's like <laughs> it just has this like arms so up. So this is the second time the werewolf has come in proximity to Cordelia this way. Is the werewolf sensing Cordelia's sexual heat, right? Is Cordelia, like, really in the mood right Well, now? yeah, the episode already called her a skanky hoe, so obviously <laughs> the werewolf picks up on that. So <laughs> so everyone freaks out. Everyone's running out of the bronze just as Buffy and Giles are arriving. Buffy goes in alone to get it. And isn't it so funny when Buffy goes into the bronze how the werewolf managed to knock over every single piece of furniture <laughs> that was in that place because the place is trashed and that could be because people were running out so quickly but uh yeah again but the but the werewolf just was spending his time turning over chairs and shit so the previous week right the bronze was like one of the walls was destroyed again and now this week we've got 
like you said, mass furniture disruption and destruction. Yep. Uh, who's insuring this place? Like the bronze's insurance premiums must be sky high at this point because they have way too much destruction going on. Yes, but Buffy doesn't care about that either because she does go in there. She, she's looking for the werewolf. She tries to get a chain around him, but it doesn't work. And the werewolf jumps out the back window, breaking it again. And Buffy again was on the scene of a crime at the at the bronze, but no one seems to care. That's when Kane shows up, gets pissed at her for letting it get away. Um, he says, that's what happens when a woman tries to do a man's job. <laughs> okay. And that's when Giles jumps in and says, this girl risked her life to capture a beast that you haven't been able to find. And he says, daddy's doing a great job carrying her bag of milk bones. <laughs> You're right. This guy is like a, a mustache twirling villain kind of man. So basically, Kane's pissed. He leaves. He's like, you know, this is the, the people for the ethical treatment of werewolves or whatever. Giles and Buffy leave. And then we cut to the alleyway where the werewolf is just kind of like walking around. <laughs> and he smells blood and follows it. And oh, no. Oh, no. This made me actually quite sad. There is Teresa on the ground, dead as a doornail. Rest in peace, Teresa. The camera pans up and Angel is standing over top of her. Angel and the werewolf have a growl off where they both growl at each other in their demon faces. <laughs> and then Angel backs off and the werewolf just kind of like stands over Teresa. So we're all like, oh, what's happening here? What's going on? So I guess it's almost sunrise. Buffy is coming out of the forest to what she thinks is an empty car. And she calls, screams for Giles. Turns out Giles was just sleeping in the front seat so she gets in and they hear on the radio that says a dead body was found connected to the animal attacks from the night before and it was sunnydale high student Teresa klusmeyer or something like that. okay so at this point they spent pretty much the whole night awake right like buffy came back to the car and giles was sleeping yes <laughs> um because he's old and he can't stay up this all night anymore and it just this makes me think like they do this pretty often how often are they going to school and like so tired? Like it's no wonder Buffy's falling behind on her schoolwork because mm -hmm. she must be absolutely exhausted during the day. If, you, if you've pulled an all-nighter and then you have to go to school and then you still go patrolling the next night. And then with Giles, like he must be like exhausted, almost like in a hungover state the next day. Like no wonder nobody goes to the library to get books. The librarian is barely awake most of the time. Yeah. I wonder if he, he naps in his office during the school day. <laughs> he definitely does. Uh, yeah, you know, I thought about this a lot in in Bad Eggs, which we never we never actually talked about it, but I was thinking about it because, like, so we see Buffy enter her room at 2.45 in the morning, and then we know that mm -hmm. she gets up for school at, like, 7.30 or 8. So I'm like, damn, like, Buffy does not get a lot of sleep. This girl is busy, you know? Yeah, the other continuity thing that I wanted to point out here is... They hear about Teresa's body on the radio. This is the same night Teresa was killed. So things worked very fast once again in Sunnydale's system. Is somebody found her body, reported it to the authorities. Uh, the coroner has already looked at the body and they've ID'd it, which means they, they found ID on her and got somebody to come and verify the, the ID and stuff. Like... That's an incredibly fast turnaround time if this only happened a couple of hours ago and now it's already on the radio, right? Like, who's at this radio station at 3 o'clock in the morning waiting for breaking news items? Like, normally you just record the news items, 
right? And then play them all night with the songs you've queued up. It's just, it's one of those little things where I'm sure the writers just don't care. And they're just <laughs> like, we just need to get this information to Buffy somehow. But I noticed writers. Okay. I noticed. Do you think the werewolf reported Teresa's body? <laughs> What is it, boy? What do you see? <laughs> the werewolf's like, I'm going to massacre teenagers at heat, but vampires? That's where I draw the line. <laughs> this is too far. We like Teresa. <laughs> oh, oh, good times, good times. So <laughs> Buffy's really sad that Teresa's dead. Obviously, she feels like it's her fault because she did let that werewolf go. So at sunrise we're in the forest and this is so funny the werewolf is just sleeping on the ground just like snoozing it up <laughs> and i don't know why that made that cracked me up when i watched it because i was like why is it asleep so it morphs into a naked oz oh my gosh it's oz so oz sits up looks around at his surroundings and he just goes huh <laughs> so again new listeners did this surprise you or was it did you see it coming because you kind of know that it's already oz's episode so i'm curious to know we cut to oz's empty house later that morning oz is on the phone with his auntie and he, he's asking uh about the bite that he got he just says straight up is jordy a werewolf and he's like uh-huh uh-huh and how long has that been going on okay no reason love to uncle ken and then hangs up <laughs> This is so hilarious. Like, this is classic Oz, right? Yeah. He just doesn't beat around the bush. He's like, I'm just going to ask straight up, is he a werewolf, right? Yeah. And I admire this about him. And it's obviously very good for exposition <laughs> in the TV show. So quick, good quick, job, quick. Oz. I also, I think this actually says a lot about Oz and his family. Like, perhaps all of them are very laid back, right? Because it just seems <laughs> like... family his, of Oz's, oh my. Because it's like, just saying, like, if his cousin's a werewolf, he's like, oh, is Jordy a werewolf? And she's like, yeah, he is. And he's like, how long has that been going on? Oh, about a year. Okay, well, love to Uncle Ken. Like, it sounds like everybody's just really chill about it right so the fact that his his aunt is so chill about her baby her 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 toddler being a werewolf not to share it with the rest of the family i just assume this family's like very laid back or they're all high all the time (laughs) so oz goes to school and he's very freaked out you can tell from his facial expression because usually oz is chill as can be but you can tell he's spinning so he's walking the school halls and he goes into the library where buffy is pissed about Teresa's death and that she didn't stop the werewolf when she could so oz asks if anybody was bitten or scratched and willow says they're fine and he's like gladness which is something i said a lot when i was younger <laughs> gladness so buffy does confirm that the werewolf got Teresa, and oz is obviously shook and he's like oh i'm so sorry Uh, But we know that there's more going on, obviously, behind the scenes in Oz's brain. So Buffy is blaming herself. Giles says they do have one more night to find the werewolf. And that's when Buffy gets aggressive. And she's like, I'm going to give it something to howl about. Ooh, I'm going to get that werewolf. And Oz asks, is there no way to tell who it is? And that's when Xander comes up behind him and says he can tell because he's an expert on the subject on account that he was a hyena once and he knows what it's like to crave the taste of freshly killed meat to be taken over by those uncontrollable urges buffy says you said you didn't remember anything about that and xander says oh yeah i said i didn't remember anything about that so finally (laughs) kara here it is 
finally, we're going to get into it because Xander, he's been caught in his own lie. He said in episode six that he did not remember anything that happened during the hyena possession. And let's not forget that during his hyena possession, he tried to rape Buffy. And he Mm -hmm. decided to just lean into him not remembering so that he didn't have to apologize to Buffy's face because it was embarrassing for him. Mm -hmm. Here he is caught in the lie and he could have said here, okay, yeah, I did remember. I'm sorry for almost raping you. Even like we understand. Okay. I get a lot of flack for this on TikTok. People have come for me for saying that Xander, (laughs) it's Xander's fault. But I stand by what I said and what you and I have said. It's that, okay, we understand that he was under the influence of hyena spirits. Okay, fine. We understand that he wouldn't have made that move had it been him in Xander's body, right? But the point is that the hyena spirits were just exaggerations of his pervy behavior that he's already expressed. He already watched Buffy change the episode before that. So him actually choosing to pretend that he didn't remember what it was like to be possessed by this hyena is like him saying, you know what? I understand that I almost raped my friend. That was really traumatic for her, but I'm not even going to be like, that sucks that happened to you. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's all you have to say, but he didn't say it. He chose not to because it was embarrassing for him. He chose convenience and cowardice. And I just, I cannot deal. I cannot deal that he was out here and no one calls him out on it. And Giles is even kind of like, he even comes out of the cage for a second to be like, you're not going to like let our secret out because don't forget that Giles also knew that he was lying. Ooh, ooh, I'm never going to get over it. Someone asked me on TikTok recently, will Xander ever be redeemed? Like obviously what he did in watching her change and all this stuff, like what he did in season one makes him a terrible person but do you think he'll ever be redeemed and my answer was i don't know it hasn't happened yet i've not forgotten season one (laughs) so this reference this casual reference that xander brought up himself annoys me (laughs) yeah i don't think i can possibly add anything to that rant that's i agree with everything you said i think it's interesting the episode brings it up here but then just kind of leaves it there and nobody addresses it like buffy obviously called him out right but he makes his excuse or waves it away or whatever, and then nobody follows up on that. So they had an opportunity to talk about it, the writers. Yep. And they didn't. They brought it back on purpose, almost like rub it in our faces, <laughs> and then they didn't address it. It's like just a rub it in that like, oh, the nice guy gets away with it again. Don't you worry. <sighs> so anyway, Xander is going to get in the headspace of an atavistic animal, and he like does this like I don't know like this impression mm. where he's like changing his whole like attitude and the way he's standing and stuff and he's like okay all right I'm a wild animal <laughs> and he's like I've got it I know who it is and because he's standing in such proximity to Oz and we know that Oz is the werewolf Oz is concerned he's like oh no like they figured it out but oz why are you so concerned this is xander we're talking about (laughs) so no xander has figured out it's larry which to be honest it's not a bad guess because his bullying attitude as xander points out is kind of like primitive animalistic urges the constant sexual harassment and of course earlier in the episode 
we found out that Larry was bitten by a dog just a couple weeks ago. So, How convenient! Yeah, he's he's great. He's a great red herring. We also it's the same scene when we heard Oz was bitten. So it's like, <laughs> wait a second, selective memory here, Xander. <laughs> but anyway, so Buffy is like, you know, he was bothering Teresa, right? And everybody at this point thinks Teresa has been killed by the werewolf. Um, and Oz is like, well, you know, it doesn't have to be Larry because Oz is such a good guy, right? Like, I think somebody else would be like, yeah, it's totally Larry, right? Like, throw them off my scent. Yeah. But Oz is like, I cannot let an innocent person take the fall for what I might have done. So Xander is like, it's definitely Larry. Don't worry, guys, I got this. And he he goes off. He's like, I'm going to confront Larry and we're going to get this sorted out, which, again, We've just established that the person who's the werewolf may not even know what they're doing. So I'm not sure what you think you're going to accomplish, Sander, <laughs> if Larry is clueless as to his werewolf nature. Like, at the worst, like, he's going to beat you up because Buffy's not around. So yep. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And so Xander leaves and Giles tells uh, Willow to check student files again. What Willow hasn't done in a while is check student files online to see if anyone else fits the same profile that Larry fits. And um, Buffy goes with Giles into his office and Oz is standing there in shock. Basically, he just says to Willow, this is a lot. Like, it's a lot to take in. And she says, doing stuff helps. And basically asks Oz if he wants to help her study tonight. Like, look up all these new student files and stuff and Buffy is listening to this conversation from the office and Oz is obviously internally freaking out so he's like I can't I'm busy I have to go so he leaves and leaves a very sad and confused Willow behind and a concerned Buffy and don't you just love Buffy like Buffy is seriously (laughs) such an angel because she is going through her heartbreak she's literally torn in pieces right now dealing with the loss of her love and she has enough room in her life to be concerned for Willow and to give Willow dating advice and love advice and to listen Mm -hmm. to Willow. And she's giving Willow so much space this episode. And I just think it's so nice of her. No one would expect that of you, Buffy. If you wanted to just be like sullen and upset this episode, we would have understood. So we're in the boys locker room and Xander is confronting Larry and says that I know your secret big guy. I know what you've been doing at night. And Larry tries to get violent with Xander about this. But and as he grabs Xander, Xander says, uh, hurting me is not going to make this go away. People are going to find out. And Larry gets really nervous here and he backs away and he's like, well, what do you want? Hush money? <laughs> and Xander says he doesn't want anything. He just wants to help him. So, so Larry says, oh, there's like a cure. And Xander says, I know what you're going through. I've been there. And that's why I know you should talk about it with someone. And Larry says he's got a rep to protect. And if this gets out, it's over for me. Forget about football. They'll run me out of this town. How are people going to look at me when they find out that I'm gay? So this is the joke, right? This whole scene is, is played off as kind of a joke that Xander thought he was confronting Larry about being the werewolf but turns out Larry kind of just outs himself to Xander and says I'm gay and I feel really good about telling you that because you're gay too because you've been there too is basically what this conversation goes at and it is such an interesting turn for Larry in his attitude right because first he just looks so scared mm-hmm. and then he says I'm I'm gay and then he says it again he's like 
I said it like I'm gay and he, you could see like this relief come off his shoulder and I don't know this mm-hmm. actor's name who plays Larry but I don't know I just think he played this off really well in my opinion uh, just in terms of like letting that load lighten maybe because he was such a dick before and such a gross human mm-hmm. being so when he becomes vulnerable and says to Xander all those times that he beat the crap out of Xander it must have been because he saw something in Xander that he didn't want to believe in himself and Xander's very adamant he's like no 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 like you know just like this is not going the way I thought it would go and Larry says don't worry your secret's safe with me and then once again Larry just gives us like <sighs> and walks away and leaving Xander behind him horrified so there's a lot of ways to think about this scene. A lot of ways. And I've thought about a couple, and I'm sure you have things to say about it as well. How do you want to unpack it? <laughs> so to me, I think the interesting about this thing about this scene is there are definitely positive aspects to it. There are things that were done well. Yeah. Which you've already pointed out. The acting by Larry's actor was superb. So I think there's definitely things that ring true in this scene. On the other hand, this scene is still very homophobic Mm -hmm. and very problematic. Uh, There's a lot to criticize in this scene. It's your typical 90s scene where they're trying to deal with a gay character, especially a teenage gay character, sympathetically. But I don't know, did anybody ask a gay person (laughs) when they were writing this scene? (laughs) When you say it's homophobic, it's because Xander is horrified that Larry is coming out to him. And I think that it would have been okay for Xander to be freaked out if he felt like he tricked Larry into outing himself. You know, it's like, oh, I'm making this Mm -hmm. guy come out. I didn't mean that. I actually was accusing you of killing somebody. You know what I mean? Like that that's okay for Xander to be freaked out about, but that's not what he's freaked out about. Xander is freaked out that Larry thinks Xander's gay. And that maybe Larry exactly. might hit on Xander now. And God forbid anybody think that Xander's gay. And we we had this conversation in Halloween when we first met Larry. That this mm. insecurity in Xander, this homophobia in Xander is no good. So there was a chance for Xander to be played off here as having the freak out for a better reason. Mm. But they didn't play it that way. And it's played off as a joke. It really is. The fact that he was accusing him of murder. And of being a werewolf, turns out he was actually just gay. Exactly. So yeah. that's the scene's fundamental flaw, right? Is yes, there there's a positive portrayal of a gay teenage person realizing, like coming to this self-acceptance. And that's great. And this is an example of a stereotype that can be true. Just because something is a stereotype doesn't mean it's always false. So there is a stereotype of the self-hating gay person who acts um, hyper-masculine to kind of hide their feelings, right? They don't want anybody to clock them. So they're going to be the bully and the macho one so that everybody, you know, he's constantly sexually harassing these girls. He's not interested in them. But he does that because he's observed that that's the way he's supposed to act. So, you know, there is truth in Larry's character. It's a stereotype for a reason, but it's still a stereotype. Mm -hmm. And what you said just now, Stephanie, is so important for us to realize, which is if this scene were in service of Larry coming out as gay, that would be better. I don't know if it'd be all right, but it would be better. 
But it's not. This scene is in service of us eliminating eliminating Larry as a suspect. Yes. So his, his gayness is basically a plot device at this point. And that is not good. The other thing I would add with regards to Xander's homophobia, like throughout, as you've said, so many episodes in this series, is I think it's important for us to remind non our you know non-gay listeners and stuff, right? Like you can be accepting of gay people in your life and still be homophobic. You know, you can be accepting of trans people in your life and still be transphobic at times, right? And that's what we're seeing with Xander. It's not like when Larry came out, Xander wasn't immediately like, oh, you're gay, like sign of the cross, run away. I'm going to go alert the media, right? Mm -hmm. He, In Xander's mind, he probably thinks he's cool with it. But as you and I have observed, his actions belie that he's not really cool with it so even though he thinks he accepts larry his actions demonstrate otherwise and this is unfortunately still all too common right is these days it is far more acceptable to be openly gay than it was in 1998 Mm -hmm. but just because everybody is cool with you being openly gay doesn't mean that they're going to be cool with your gayness being more and more on display, right? Like, I think our tolerance has improved, but only to kind of a point. And so I think that's something for us to point out is like homophobia or any type of discrimination against a group of people isn't always overt rejection. It can also be this latent, sometimes even subconscious actions of rejection. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out how in the series, you and I have talked at numerous times about how the show was thought to be progressive, but now that we're rewatching it, we're like, it wasn't as progressive as we gave it credit for. So here we have mm-hmm. this like very forward idea that, you know, here's a gay character being presented on TV. Mind you, he's not a main character, but they're dealing with some sort of coming out storyline in this episode, which is good. But yeah, the way mm-hmm. that it's handled is actually not as forward thinking as we think because it's surrounded by this homophobia presenting it as a joke and also i don't appreciate how this this situation with xander and his hyena spirit possession and his attempted rape of buffy how that like you said they bringing it back they're bringing it back to this episode to suit this purpose and also keep Mm -hmm. it as part of the joke yeah so me no likey <laughs> we don't like and uh, I I've watched a lot of Glee in my life so this this scene actually r- reminded me how much other characters coming out in different shows owes Buffy and this scene or maybe not owes it but it's like it's like they all follow the same kind of storyline where in Glee Kurt is a gay student who confronts his bully in the locker room at school and that's when the bully like kisses him so the bully was also a closeted gay man so Mm -hmm. like you said it's a stereotype for a reason but it's a it's a common tv trope that they've used again and again and we're kind of like okay we're done yeah (laughs) okay like we don't have to have these like hyper toxic masculine males until they're gay right (laughs) so yeah all right 
after this, Buffy is talking to Willow in the library and, you know, she basically said she saw what happened. She's sorry. And Willow is complaining that Oz is so hot and cold or lukewarm and cold. And um, Buffy says, welcome to the mystery that is men. They grow body hair. They lose all ability to tell you what they really want. So Buffy encourages Willow to do something daring and make the first move. And literally Buffy's been doing this for Willow their entire friendship. Like she did this in the pilot with like the Carpe Diem. She did this in Halloween, like dress slutty. <laughs> and uh, she's saying it now. She's like, go make your move, right? And I think she's right. I think she's right too. And But Willow asks her, won't that make me a slut? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Willow, you have a very strange idea about what's slutty and skanky and hoey. <laughs> what is it? She's not allowed to have boys in her room, right? Like, she's already had Angel in her room. So if she has Oz in her room, that's two boys who've been in her room. So that's really slutty. Wow, what a whore. <laughs> so uh, Buffy says, uh, your reputation is fine. So they go out into the hallway Willow says, oh, it used to be so easy to know if a boy liked you or not. He would just punch you in the arm and run back to his friends. And that's when Xander comes up behind them and he punches Buffy in the arm <laughs> and says, like, hey, what's up? Buffy's face is like, what the fuck? And that's when Willow's like, I'm going to see you guys later. I have to go help Cordelia with her history homework, which means I may have to do it. So all of a sudden, <laughs> Cordelia and Willow are like besties. Besties. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Xander says uh, it's a good time to panic because he knows they're hanging out together. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're the worst. So Buffy asks uh, how it went with Larry and Xander gets super defensive because, like we said, this homophobia is just like it's just what the episode's going to go with. They're just going to lean into this. He says he's not the werewolf. Can we leave it at that? Why must you just push and push and push and push? And Buffy's like, OK, I'm just asking. And the conversation goes to Teresa and how Buffy feels bad about what happens. But then Buffy realizes that the reports never said anything about Teresa being mauled. They just said it was linked to animal attacks and they assumed werewolf. So what could this mean? Cut to the funeral home. Teresa is lying in her coffin. And like you said, this shit is working really fast. Like Teresa has been done up for her funeral her funeral is literally happening right now <laughs> like it's an open casket visit uh even though she died like two hours ago <laughs> so anyway we know that she's been bitten we see the bite marks on her neck xander says that's good in the sense that the werewolf didn't get her but then he's like no there is no good here so fair enough buffy starts signing her guest book and Xander says, you can't blame yourself for every death in Sunnydale. And then Xander brings up again, like I said, this episode just keeps bringing up the past. Xander says, if it wasn't for Buffy, Willow would be Robbie the Robot's love slave. And he's talking about Mullick. Praise <laughs> And then he said, uh, I wouldn't have a head. So he's bringing up the praying mantis. And then he's like, Teresa's a vampire. Because sure enough, <laughs> Teresa's sitting up in her coffin behind her. Teresa gets up and attacks Buffy, and Buffy clearly has the upper hand against her, but that's when Teresa says, Angel sends his love. And that, like, shakes Buffy, and, and then Teresa gets on top of her, and Xander manages to stake Teresa from behind. So... Buffy's lying on the ground, and this is, like, shocking that, like, Angel sent this calling card to her, right? So... Xander's helping her up, asks her if she's okay, and he says he's going to keep coming for me, 
And then he she hugs Xander and Xander says, don't let him get to you. He's not the guy you knew. And as Buffy pulls away, the two like linger on each other. They look in each other's eyes and they have like a moment. And then Buffy leaves and walks away and Xander says, my, no, my life's not too complicated. Okay, we know from Inca Mummy Girl that Xander and Buffy had that talk at the end of that episode and you and I were like what does this talk mean because we were like do they dare even think about giving them a romantic space you know on the show I hope not but this look at this time where Buffy's feeling very vulnerable and here's Xander there to hug her and make her feel better I don't like this (laughs) I don't like that they are making us feel like there could be more here Because I know there's nothing Mm -hmm. here. But they're just, for whatever reason, want Xander's life to be even more complicated. Not only does he have to deal with Cordy and Willow and complicating feelings with both those girls, but we're going to throw Buffy in the mix too. Why not? And I'm like, but this doesn't call for Mm -hmm. this. Nothing has led up to this to make this something we want to invest in. So, ooh, I don't like it. We cut to Kane, who's in his car, preparing silver bullets to murder the werewolf with. And the moon is rising and Oz is emptying a box of shackles on his kitchen table. Where did he get those? Well, Kate, my thing is like, why are you doing this at night? Like, why didn't you do like practice with these shackles when the sun was still up? Like, you're about to turn into a werewolf in That's good. one and second. Where's his parents? Like, does he live by himself? <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah. His parents didn't know he was out all night before. His parents aren't here now. Maybe they're out of town. I don't know. Anyway, someone's knocking at the door. Oz should just leave it. Just be like, nope, I'm changing into a werewolf in T minus 20 seconds. Not opening that door. But he's like, no, open the door. And it's Willow. And Willow's super ragey. I don't know if this is because she interpreted Buffy's like make the first move as rage at him. (laughs) (laughs) But like Willow is like, I think she's out of line. No, I don't think she's out of line. I I agree with you that, like, she has misinterpreted the instructions, (laughs) the point of this exercise. But it's cute. And I feel like this is classic Willow in the sense of, like, speaking of being hot and cold, Willow only knows how to assert herself by getting angry. We've seen this in previous episodes where she puts Giles and Angel in their places or she puts uh, Giles and Xander in their places, right? Like, Willow has to be pushed to a breaking point and then she snaps and you see that assertive angry willow so i think in order for her to make that move she had to work herself up right like she probably when she was first considering what to say she was probably uh too like soft about it right and she's like no that's no good so with each subsequent revision as she practiced and practiced in front of her mirror (laughs) she got herself worked up to this point and by the time she got to that door and she knocked really hard on it and she's like why is he not coming to the door you know she's at full willow (laughs) and yeah so, so that's i think that's where that's coming from is it's her emotions are so strong and she is so unused to being assertive that that's the only way she knows how. Okay, that's that's fair. And she does say, like, demand. She's like, no, we're going to talk now, damn it. Because Oz is like, we could talk about it tomorrow. And she's basically calling him out for giving her mixed signals. 
And Oz says he's going through changes. And Lil's like, welcome to the world. I'm going through changes too. And like, <laughs> But then she's like, oh, you think you're special? Special boy with chains and stuff? Because that's what she notices, all the chains on the, on the table. But it's too late, Oz. You shouldn't have opened the door because he's convulsing now in pain. He's like, Willow, get out of here. And he falls behind the couch. And as Willow like approaches the couch, like, Oz? Like, what's wrong, Oz? He, the werewolf pops up in his hilarious costume and Willow screams and runs out the door and this scene is actually quite funny to me too so Willow runs out the door and the werewolf pursues her but for whatever reason the werewolf cannot catch up to her like you'd think a werewolf would be really quick but Willow manages to run like across town away from this werewolf first she like runs down the street hops a fence and then hits the werewolf with a garbage can as the werewolf tries to come over and while this is happening by the way kane is like hearing the howling of the wolf and following and then willow manages to run into the forest and is running through the forest away from this werewolf and the werewolf is about to get her when it changes its mind it like sniffs around and then leaves so the werewolf takes off willow runs to the school so at the library giles is preparing a giant tranquilizer gun as buffy enters and again i'm like you guys why didn't you set this up before sundown you know like the you could have been out there when as soon as the moon rose and then you would have been like first there yeah. in a very like small amount of time that you have to find this creature. So Buffy tells Giles about Teresa and Giles tries to comfort her, but she's like, no, 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 I'll cry later right now. Werewolf time. And do you remember, Kara, in Innocence when Cordelia asks Xander if looking at big guns really makes people horny? Yes. Well, uh, watching Giles load this giant tranquilizer gun, I was like... Ooh, <laughs> super ah, sexy. Ah, 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 ah. Was it because it was Giles doing yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I was like, this guy is like so hot. Like he's got, he just knows his weapons, you know? So they're about to leave and they realize they don't know where to go or who, like where to start looking. And Willow runs in and is like, it's Oz, it's Oz, the werewolf, it's Oz. And uh, he, he said he was going through changes and then he changed. So... They all go out with the tranquilizers and Giles says these tranquilizers would sink a small elephant. So they're going to go find Oz in the forest. And so what distracted Oz earlier was a pile of raw meat that's just lying on the ground that Kane laid out for him. And I was like, Kane, you're obviously not from Sunnydale because here we only serve dinner in a baggie. Oh, <laughs> uh, good callback. <laughs> That's another callback I wanted to, to Angel. So um, he's about to shoot Oz when Buffy jumps on him, takes him out with his gun pretty easily. Then Buffy fights the werewolf, which is hilarious. And Giles is trying to get a good shot in, but because they're tussling so much, it's hard to. And this is a callback to Ted when Giles got shot in the back by Jenny. <laughs> so Giles knows not to just like shoot willy-nilly. He's got to find the perfect shot. The werewolf throws Buffy over onto Willow and Giles and is about to attack them when Willow grabs the tranquilizer gun and shoots the werewolf in the chest. It falls down and Willow says, I shot Oz. <laughs> and Giles says, you saved us. And Kane is getting up and he's like, no wonder this town is overrun with monsters. No one is man enough to kill them. And Buffy says, I wouldn't be too sure of that. And she takes his gun and bends it with her so super strength. Cool. So amazing. She throws the gun at him. It's like, don't let the door hit you on your ass on the way out of town. So 
good on Buffy. Kane leaves. And then um, Willow asks if the werewolf is going to be okay, if Oz is going to be okay. And Giles says he'll be sore in the morning, but he'll be Oz. I'm just imagining Kane like leaving Sunnydale and ending up in a bar somewhere with the surviving Gorch brother, right? <laughs> and they're just like commiserating. It's like, yeah, I went to Sunnydale and this blonde girl beat me up. And the, the guy's, yeah, she ruined my best gun. And they're just like, cheers to that, buddy. <laughs> she killed my brother. <laughs> Bitches be crazy, yo. <laughs> yeah, where's that scene? Then we're missing that one. So, so next day at school, Xander is talking to Buffy about how weird it is that he knows. How are we supposed to act when we see him? All I know is I'll never be able to look at him the same way again. And Buffy's like, he's still a human being most of the time. And Xander asks who she's talking about. She says, Oz, who are you talking about? Xander says, no one. So... <laughs> Xander's still talking about Larry. He's been thinking about Larry all night. And it's just like, is talking to a gay man really this difficult for you, Xander? Like, why are you freaking out about this? <sighs> so that's when uh, we see down the hall two guys knock over a stack of books that a girl's holding because they learned that from their dear friend Larry. And Larry's coming down the stairs when this happens, and he actually bends over and helps the girl pick them up. That means that Larry is a changed man. That he's now accepted himself and that weight that lifted off his shoulder has made him a better person. So no need to take out aggressions on the whole school anymore. Larry's a better man. So he goes up to Xander and says, I owe you. And Xander says, it's nothing. We shouldn't be talking about it ever. And Larry says, I know, but but thank you. And I thought that was very sweet. Like, I, I think it's a sweet scene that Larry mm -hmm. like said thank you to Xander. I will say this. I also liked that Xander didn't out Larry to the Scoobies. Because he could have, right? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I had that note as well. Although, I will say it's probably not because Xander's being cool. It's probably because he's afraid Ugh. that if he outs Larry, Larry's going to start telling everybody that Xander's gay too, right? So it's, yes. I think it's more his fear of like this mutually assured destruction <laughs> than him actually being cool and knowing that you shouldn't out people without their permission. But... Yeah, like, okay, we'll, we'll say this is this is a good example. For whatever reason you don't out your friend, don't out your friends, right? If they confide about their sexuality or something yes. like that to, to you, don't tell other people unless you know it's okay. Well, this is the complication with Xander's character, right? Because we're, we're like trying to give him some room where we're like, good for him for not outing Larry. He could have, because Buffy asked, what was that about? He could have been like, oh, I thought he was a mm -hmm. werewolf, but he's gay. But he didn't say that, right? He just was like, it's nothing. We're not going to talk about it. So that's good on him. But on, like you just said, it's more that he's insecure and that he's homophobic. And that's yeah. more what it is. So, mm. all right. Well, that was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series first attempt at handling a gay storyline so boo thumbs down we give it a thumbs down so buffy is saying that everything's been weird lately maybe it's the moon that it does stuff to people and she wonders if this whole thing will put a strain on willow and oz's relationship and xander belittles willow and oz's relationship and makes a lot of dog jokes right like he's got to be paper trained he's got obedient school but basically says she's not safe with oz and if it were up to me and that's when Buffy interrupts him. Good for Buffy. Once again, Buffy, you're my saint. You're my goddess. <laughs> she stops Xander and says, it's not up to you. 
which is the theme of this entire series so far. Xander, this is not up to you. Shut up, right? Uh, can we just have that on repeat? <laughs> it's not you. So on the quad, Willow approaches Oz and they're going to have a talk. And Oz is saying that Giles explained everything to him. Basically, he just needs to lock himself up during the full moon and the days before and after. And Willow's sorry she shot him and he's sorry he almost ate her. And she's sad that he didn't tell her. And he said he just didn't know what to say. And he's he I like that he refers to being a werewolf as fairly freaksome. <laughs> He's not like this is a terrible change in my life. He's just like, oh, it's Oz and Giles have this common like it's because Giles is British that he's like this, but it's like they're pretty good at understatement, right? They're very <laughs> yeah. chill about things. Maybe they're there's turmoil going on inside, but they don't really show it a lot. And yeah. I don't know what Oz's excuse is because he's not British, so <laughs> true so <laughs> so basically oz is telling willow i think i should just stay out of your way because everything's kind of weird right now uh let me just stay out of your way for a while but willow says that she likes him in her way and he's surprised by this and he's like oh you'd still be into me basically and she's like i like you you're nice you're funny and the most important thing is that he doesn't smoke because remember only bad guys smoke well and also willow has been around buffy's mom enough now to know <laughs> about like the dangers of smoking pot right so so well, it actually makes me think like Oz, because we, we mean you have both said like he's kind of like a burnout. Like he seems like he'd be a yeah. big stoner, but Willow does not like smoking. So I don't think we, I don't think Oz could be. I don't I don't see Oz as a stoner, though, because stoners, at least in the stereotypical TV world version of them are scattered. Right. Like even when they're not high, they don't really focus on stuff. Oz seems a little bit too on top of things to put together to be a stoner. I think he dresses the part, but I don't, I don't, maybe, you know, maybe once in a while yeah. he takes, takes part, or but maybe I don't see him as like using it all the time. I see him more as like, you know, a stoner when he gets to university, maybe not in high school. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Willow says, sure, you're a werewolf, uh, you know, you're a werewolf. Sure. But Three days out of the month, I'm not that much fun to be around either. Uh. <sighs> Period jokes. Ha ha ha. All women are monsters. Our emotions make us crazy. <laughs> I don't like this joke. All people who menstruate are monsters, apparently. <laughs> All right. So that was the lamest joke in this entire episode. And um, she's like, I'd still if you'd still. And he's like, I'd still. I'd very still. <laughs> so cute. <sighs> and Willow says, no biting and walks away. And we don't see Willow anymore. We just see Oz and he's like smiling after her. But then she comes back and she kisses him and then leaves again. As she's leaving, he says, a werewolf in love, which is a very strange kind of <laughs> quote, but it's cute. Willow's first kiss is Oz yeah. in the quad at Sunnydale High School in January. I don't know when this is, <laughs> but it this is adorable. And this is why I watched this episode so much when I was younger. I just really liked this development for the two of them. So that's the end. Who is your hero? My hero is Willow. Mm. Kind of the most obvious action is shooting Oz, right? <laughs> like... She did it without hesitating. It wasn't, she didn't dither over it. She was just like, no, this werewolf is attacking my friends. I know he's Oz, but he's attacking my friends. Shoot. <laughs> Good for you, Willow. 
also good for willow for making that move like buffy suggested yes she worked herself up and it was probably a little bit angrier than she than she intended but this is huge for willow this is willow getting outside of her comfort zone and telling oz what she wants and that's so good for her and and good be and it's a sign that she is finally putting xander behind her because we were hard on her especially you know you were hard on her in innocence and we also criticized her a bit in this episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that this is a positive sign for her. And that's why I want to give it to her is the growth that she shows in this episode. I agree. And, you know, there's nothing to say that these characters can have little stumbles or little moments where we don't mm-hmm. agree with what they're doing. But you're right. By the end, she came 360. She came around. She kissed Oz. She got what she wanted. She was she was really good. My hero this episode is Buffy. She really underplayed the fact that she's really heartbroken right now. She was there for her friends. She was grieving Teresa. She even got a calling card from her ex-boyfriend in the form of Teresa's dead vampire body. But she handled it like a pro and she twisted that guy's gun up. And I don't believe in hunting. So (laughs) good for Buffy. (laughs) Yeah, nice. So I just want to say about this episode, like I said, there it's a lot of things at once. And you and I pointed out the many times it references season one, right? But I also just think that it's building on what the season arc has been so far. Like it was, we Mm -hmm. had two huge monumentous episodes last week, the last two weeks. So this one was more of a lighthearted romp, like back to that monster of the week kind of vibe. But it's still built on things that we have been building on the whole season. And then at the same time, it is pushing a lot of things forward. Now Willow and Oz are actually together. We know that... Angel is still going to be a menace and he's going to be torturing Buffy in different ways. And even Cordy and Xander, right? They're more out and about in the schoolyard anyway. Like, like you know, they're being more yeah. public with what they're feeling and what they're doing. And of course, we haven't seen the fallout of Jenny and Giles just yet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so this episode was good for that. Okay, we got hot steaks. So our first hot steak is from Jess, who wanted to let us know about the Oz love, which is great because we also love Oz. So Jess says, I'm really enjoying all the Oz appreciation this season, and I just had to jump in and rep for my boy in time for phases because he's the reason I got into Buffy. Not sure how much of this you can say on the pod, but my first experience of Buffy was a video box set of the first half of season four that I found at a charity shop. Uh, Jess goes on to say, you know, seeing Oz in certain other Halloween episode absolutely cemented my love for the show. Also, Phases is honestly one of my favorite episodes, partly because I love werewolves. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think Oz is an interesting character. He He's very laid back. Uh, I can definitely identify with Oz in, in, in how he's very mellow, which is kind of how I am a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't always show how I'm reacting to things, really, at, at least not initially. So I, I appreciate Oz. I appreciate what the show does with his character, which we will discover as the the series unfolds. Um, yeah, thanks for your comment, Jess. Yeah. Our next one is from someone who chose to remain anonymous, but we're really happy that they sent this in. So here's what they had to say about phases. 
as a gay man, I am so fucking tired of seeing the school bully who's actually gay trope. I see it literally everywhere, and it perpetuates that the only gay representation we get is toxic masculinity and no healthy relationship. It's the writers of Buffy being like, look at us, we have a gay representation, even though it is mm-hmm. treated like a joke and isn't taken seriously. Also, I hated how self-conscious Xander got when Larry came out. Yeah, well said. Well said, and I agree. It's like, why <laughs> why does it always have to be toxic masculinity and a, a huge struggle when we can't just see them have a nice, healthy relationship with each other or even have like friendships between this yeah. gay man and Xander? Like an ally, perhaps? I don't know. Well, that's the thing is we don't really see any friendships between men in the show at this point, right? Like mm. Giles and Xander aren't really friends because mm. of the difference in age and power dynamic. And Xander and Oz aren't really friends. It'll be interesting to see if that changes as Oz gets more into the gang. But yeah, like we see relationships between women. We see relationships between women and men. Not really any like male relationships in this way. So that'll be something interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Our final hot stake is more of a general thought on Joyce's parenting skills <laughs> and parenting style. And this comes from Hannah. Someone listen to Ted? Yeah, I think it's related to Ted, but also, you know, just throughout this season mm-hmm. and season one, right? Like, why is Joyce the way she is? So Hannah says, okay. I have some thoughts about Stoner Joyce's parenting skills. (laughs) They're playing up the cliche of parents not understanding the next generation trope. Because I always saw Buffy being the slayer as this mystical metaphor for generational gaps. Buffy being a slayer is something that Joyce can't even begin to relate to or understand. And Buffy doesn't want to tell her about it because it'll put her in danger, but also show how could she expect her mother to get it. I think it's another example of Buffy's destiny isolating herself from the people she loves. Even though the show really stresses the importance of the Scooby gang, Buffy is still the one that has to die. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So Joyce's parenting and the way that Joyce and Buffy relate to each other is such a huge aspect of this show because it is about feminism and like we were just saying, relationships between women and stuff. And this is a very significant relationship in Buffy's life. So this idea that Buffy's role as the slayer is a metaphor for how the older generation can't possibly understand the younger generation. I think that's interesting. I think there might be something there. Yeah, for sure. And I really love that Hannah called her stoner Joyce at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like, we made it a thing. <laughs> Suck on it, Gretchen Wiener. Like, you couldn't make Fetch a thing, but we made Stone Joyce a thing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody, for your hot steaks. Great episode. We have another great one coming up for you next week. <laughs> They're all great. <laughs> They're all so great. Keep listening. <laughs> Keep sending us your hot steaks. We love them so much. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.